welcome everybody to Men in Your Life, Unapologetically Human, Episode 8, Fatherhood to be Continued. Um, today, uh, Dan is currently on vacation, the lucky bastard. Um, so, Dan has tagged in the guest that we had on a couple of weeks ago, Chris Jett. Chris, welcome. Thank you for taking hey. the spot. Yeah, thank you guys for having me again. I, I see you didn't scare you all off too much so uh no it's it's an honor to be back on this podcast no honestly i'm trying to i'm trying to replace dan anyway so i guess no I'm <laughs> <laughs> no no uh i appreciate it and i know it was somewhat short notice i appreciate you coming in to uh to to handle his side yeah no it's great and i also love this this topic we're gonna be tackling today about about fatherhood and just kind of the topics that don't really get discussed and that's and, and that's the thing. And and I think uh, and no, no offense to Dan, I think this is a great topic for me and you. I mean, I, I have a two and a half year old and a six year old. So um, I've I've had somewhat of a continue continued education. Um, and, and your your kid is how almost, old is almost three months. She's almost three months. So I'm fresh in it. Yeah. So you're you have you definitely have more fresh eyes and and, and all that stuff. And it's it's going to be good. Um. So today, the topic, uh, fatherhood to be continued, we're going to be talking about um, kind of the role of the father through, you know, through the earliest time pregnancies, you know, doctor, doctor visits and, and, you know, even, even up into the birthing and stuff like that. And, and we do want to make it clear that we are not downplaying anything the woman goes through, through pregnancy and the hormones and stuff. But what we do here, as many of you know, is we talk about the things that men, that men don't really talk about. And this is a subject that really just does not get addressed because, yes, the woman is absolutely the most important aspect of pregnancy and birth and, and, and especially the immediate um, the immediate afterward, um, you know, between the options of breastfeeding and formula and, and all that stuff. They are absolutely the most important part of it. But the father is not talked about very often and the father is very important as well i mean not only not only do we do we share in these emotions and share in these experiences but we also we're we're the support we 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 help hold up mom and hold up kid and try to help with that balance because i mean a mother's time with a with a newborn and i mean even a pre-born even even through pregnancy a, a mother's time is very limited to to having a, a for herself i mean it's very her mental health is very you know her options for her mental health are very limited right. so we, we try to at least at least in my in my case and and a lot of friends that i know you know we try to alleviate some of that pressure by taking some on ourselves and that never gets talked about right and you know i i probably try my best as a husband to uh, alleviate her stress and you know promote her mental health. I may also add some stress into her life at times, but you know, that's just marriage in general. Yeah. Um, but no, I'm really excited for this topic, but before we get started, um, Brady, how was your, uh, how's your week? Oh, my week was hell. Um, oh, great. <laughs> no, honestly, my week, it, it's just, it's getting busier and busier at work. And, and it's, yeah. it's, I, I, I never, I've never been one to bring, bring work home, like literally bring work home, actually have to sit down and do work. Uh, this week I've had to, luckily I'm able to bill them. A lot of times the work that I do at home isn't billable. So I don't, okay. uh, 
I don't get paid for a lot of the work that I do at home, but through this current project that the company I'm with is doing, um, because it's so labor intensive, uh, I've had to do some scheduling from home. And so I'm they're They're allowing me to, to, well, not me, but they're allowing me to get paid for this for the time yeah. at home, which is kind of nice. Good. Good. Um, but no, other than that, I mean, it was great. I've, I, I, I've had a good, uh, good week. I went golfing yesterday. That's kind of why we're doing It's one of the reasons we're doing this today. Um, for those of you out there that, that golf, I shot my first Eagle yesterday, um, which yes. was awesome. Um, and yeah, other than that, everything was good. Just, it was busy. I was exhausted. I mean, it wore me out all week. How about you, Chris? How was your week? Uh, yeah, mine was good. Mine was busy as well. Not as busy with work, because as you know, I'm a teacher, so I'm on summer break right now, which is great. I get to spend time with my daughter, um, who's turning three months in a few few days here. Um, I didn't get to go golfing. In fact, the only time I ever shot an eagle is uh, in Wii Golf, so I don't know if that counts for anything. I don't know how accurate Wii Golf is on Wii Sports, but uh, no, um, I got to spend some time with some friends this week, um, spend some time with some family, which is really nice. I mean, ever since COVID and, you know, my wife being pregnant and having a newborn, we've been very, um, very cautious with everything during the pandemic. Um, I know different strokes, different folks, but that was our take on it. Uh, it just to be cautious as possible. So it was nice to finally get back and see friends and family and like hang out outside the house. So that was a good, but also a busy week. Yeah. And, and like you said, different, different strokes, different folks, but I mean, even me and I'm, I'm definitely one of those different strokes, kind of a people usually. Um, but even me, you know, with, with my, she's now two and a half with, with her, she was cooped up. She was, yeah. she was inside for a year and a half. And now, you know, she gets to go to Mima's and she gets to, you know, go to the park and she gets to go to the supermarket. And so she's all excited and, and you try to tell her, no, she can't go. But, um, that doesn't happen. <laughs> so, but no, and, and good on you. I mean, that's, that's the whole thing. I mean, that's, that's kind of part of what, you know, what we're talking about today is, is really, you know, what we do as, you know, I, I know, I'm, I know, uh, don't know you extremely well, but I, I think I've gathered enough to where, you know, you, you and your wife, you make mutual decisions. This is not a unilateral, yeah. unilateral, lateral thing. Um, and good on you, because honestly, if I had a, if I had a small baby uh, during that time, during this time, I and I did. I mean, it's not like she's, you know, a teenager, but um, yeah, no, I feel like caution is cautious is, is better when it comes to that kind of thing. Yeah. Then, like we're going to talk about, you know, fatherhood through pregnancy and well, I guess telling you you're not father yet. But, you know, leading up to fatherhood during the pregnancy process and in the birthing process. And for us, it was just the concept of like is it worth the risk? I mean, we have technology, we were in contact with friends and family, and we did see my immediate family, like my parents. Again, my wife's family is over in England, so we haven't seen them in a while, which is a shame. Um, but that was the thing is, is it worth the risk? If we can still see friends and family through technology and whatnot, our our stance on it was, we could not risk her going to the hospital because when you know the woman's pregnant, even the flu can be detrimental to her health. So like anything, oh. we're just kind of like, play it safe. You know, we're going to make it through the season of our life. And then when we come out the other side, it's going to be even better. And it is, it made us, you know, it made us feel that we need to not take those relationships for granted. So like, it makes us even more now, like love our friends and like spending time with them. It makes it even more precious. Cause I feel like that's what this past year has taught us is don't take those moments for granted. Cause you don't know. 
Well, and, and another thing I feel like this, this last year's time, and I've never been a big fan of technology. Uh, I mean, I'm a, I'm a fan of it. It does make my life easier and, and, you know, it, it streamlines a lot of things, but I've never been a big user of technology. So, um, it kind of, it, for me, it kind of reaffirmed the fact that, you know, technology has kind of taken over and I don't want that for my family. I want my family to know their family personally. I want them to be able to see them and touch them and, and, you know, look them in the eyes and tell them that they love them and, and see that natural, you you know, those natural interactions that, that they need. And, um, so, and it's really hard for me because my family is everywhere, but, but, uh, Washington, I mean, they're in Alaska or, and my dad's in Idaho, but, um, it really kind of brings in, brings in, you know, I want her to know people, not just know a screen. Right. And that is, that's, that's huge nowadays because you see screens are just everywhere. And, and, you know, it's funny that you said that, you know, you didn't want your, your daughter to go to the hospital, um, during this thing. And actually in the beginning, I don't, um, if I remember correctly, the first hospitalized recorded case, I want to say in the U S at least in Washington, uh, was over here and it was at, uh, Everett Providence hospital. Well, when the uh, a couple of weeks ago when i told you that my my daughter was actually hospitalized cuz she had a uh, she she had a an infection in her groin um that was that during that time oh really yeah, yeah. oh wow so, so that was actually that, that we had no we i mean there was no knowledge whatsoever as far as what was going on and we and that was actually the hospital the er that we brought her to i mean granted they had they had this person isolated i mean it wasn't anything you know but there was zero knowledge about any of this and and right. so we didn't we didn't have any choice obviously i mean she she needed to be hospitalized um but it definitely added a, de- a degree of uh, of stress to it but I digress. That's right. So what we want to focus on today, um, Brady and I talked about it, is the topic of becoming a father. So when your partner or your spouse is pregnant and what goes through your mind as a man in that moment, and then also leading up to like the whole birthing process and the, the moments after, you know, the baby is born and like what it's like being a father and what things you weren't told to expect and things that just aren't talked about from the man's perspective. Again, we, you know, God bless every woman who's ever given birth, you know, every cesarean, everything, because you all are superheroes. I can't imagine. Like I tell my <laughs> wife, she's, she is a wonder woman, what she went through. And then, cause my wife went through a completely natural, no epidural or anything. Um, and sure. I, I don't even know how she did that. And she <laughs> is an incredible woman, but like, Again, we want to focus on the men's side because it's not really as talked about and it needs to be talked about because, you know, there, there are things that we all went through as fathers emotionally, uh, mentally, that that we need to kind of open this book to so we can all know what to expect and we know that we're not in it alone. So what uh, so when you when your wife, um, I'm assuming you guys were married when you found out you guys were pregnant. Yes. Um, yes. So. When you, when your wife uh, told you you were pregnant, what was the, do you remember what the, what's the first thing that went through your head? I was incredibly emotional because again, everyone has a different story, but um, we were trying. Like we we were hoping this would happen. We were praying this would happen. Um, we had been trying. We kind of started, you know, a year, um, but we didn't get really serious until about um, about five months in. We realized that we need to take the serious. I mean, we went down to like a schedule. Like my wife had it systematically down 
on how to conceive this child if everything went according to plan, which, you know, sometimes it doesn't. So it was about, I would say about three, four months after that, um, after we started to really, you know, take it down seriously and then make a system out of it. Um, we, she told me, um, she turned the corner. I remember it was the, the morning I was in the kitchen. She turned the corner and she told me, she's like, Chris, I'm pregnant. And that, that moment, I like, I mean, I cried. It was, it was very emotional because, you know, we didn't know if there would be a problem or not. Um, and you start to, and everyone going through this process, if you're planning to have a child, you start to question if it doesn't happen immediately, which most time it doesn't, I think average is six months to a year to get pregnant. At um, least. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's the average. Um, sometimes it takes longer. And I know Dan's kind of spoken on his, his story with his wife and, um, it, it can be a real struggle. So when that moment happens, I was incredibly emotional. And then is when the fear set in. Um, <laughs> of course, I had talked my that wife. We've been married a few question. Yeah, I mean, like, so we, we had talked for a few years. She was ready before I was. She wanted a child before she was 30. Um, I'm turning 32 next month. So that'll kind of give you a little perspective on where we're at. She's younger than me. But she wanted a child before she was 30. And I was thinking, it's like, I don't know if I'm ready for kids yet. When we were first married, um, my biggest thing was finances. Um, I had been switching jobs. I was looking for a career in education. I didn't have it yet. I just got my master's. So I had student debt. And I was like, okay, I know children are expensive. And I know you're never truly ready. Like everyone says, like, you know, I want to wait till I'm ready to have kids. And then as anyone will tell yeah. you, you're never truly ready to have kids. But I wanted to at least make sure financially we were somewhat prepared. And we did at that point um, get what well, we felt financially prepared. We had a, a budget in place. We had you know an emergency fund in place. Um, oh, and sometimes it's never oh. that cut and dry. <laughs> what were you saying? I said, oh, that's adorable. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I, I, I'm absolutely kidding. I, I'm glad you guys had that in place. That's, that, that, is a, that is, for those of you out there thinking about, you know, or just about to become a father, you know, that's, that's a great place to start. Right. And, you know, we were, we're very blessed. You know, I have a career, um, a decent job. My wife actually gets paid a lot more than me. She's a breadwinner in our family. Um, so we were in a good place even before then we were in a good place. So, I mean, you're never, again, it's never going to be this perfect moment where you have all the funds in the world, all the backup plans. Like it's never going to be that way. There's always gonna be something that comes up in your life. So we yeah, got to nice. Yeah, I know. Right. And you never know, like we were lucky enough to where we didn't have any complications with my wife or even, you know, um, our, our daughter when she was born, there weren't any medical complications, which could have easily have occurred. Um, so with that, we got off, you know, easy. We're, we're very blessed, as we say. So um, we were to the point where we were prepared. I was mentally ready. I had to mature a little bit. I, I kind of told you all in the last podcast, like, you know, I I definitely had some rough edges I wanted to fine tune to be ready to be a father. Again, I'm still working on myself, still working to be a better person so I can be a better father for my child. But I was mentally as ready as I was going to be. And so when she told me, I was extremely excited. But then I got terrified. Um, I was like, hold on. What what do we have to buy? What do we, ha what do we have to like do? Do we need to read books on this? Do we need to do classes? It's like, what what do we do leading up to it? What is that going to look like? I was like, what can you do? Like, can we still go on our hikes? Like, you know, it was it was just all these questions that popped in my head. And I'm again very lucky. My wife is awesome. She did a lot of research. Um, I tried to you know do research as well, but again, I didn't know what to research. I didn't know what she was going through as a um, a pregnant woman. I didn't know how to help her. 
I was kind of just going off what she was telling me and she did so much research. We had a, we did classes through the hospital. She set up everything and I was just kind of there just along the ride, helping her wherever I could. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, and that's kind of the role that, that we as men, we, I mean, that's the general role that we take. Um, I remember when, when Sarah told me that she was pregnant, uh, first of all, I was speechless. Um, it was pretty, it was pretty early in our relationship. We it really was. Um, and it it just kind of happened now a little bit uh, as a lot of you know i've been married before uh married divorced um in my 30s uh so this was you know i was 30 uh, 38 30 uh, 37 um when i was told that i was gonna have my first child and and um and only child for that matter uh biologically and and it it caught me off guard i i when when I went through the divorce, as painful as that was, I, I told myself, well, I'll probably never have kids because it's going to take me a while to trust somebody enough to want to have kids with them. And I didn't and I didn't want to be this, you know, 65 year old you know, man going to somebody right. going to their kids graduation. It would just it wasn't something that really I felt would be fair to the kid. And I didn't feel like it would be fair to me or my partner. Um and that that being said it it happened i i've i've said this from the beginning i will never ever in my life ever call my daughter an accident because she's the best thing her her mom and, and her brother are the best things that have ever happened to me um and but i will tell you that at 37 years old you know i'm gonna be you know 55 years old when she graduates high school um and I'm honestly somewhat happy that uh, that it happened that later on in life because, I, as you said, you had some rough edges you wanted to smooth out. I definitely had some. Um, I, I had some. You know, I was just getting through the mental, um, the mental, I guess, mental anguish that I went through through the divorce. Um, right. I had just gotten out of that. Really, uh, I, I finally got into the daylight, as, as they say, and. Um, and I felt like I was more emotionally and mentally prepared to have a child. However, I was not financially prepared. I did not have a career anymore. I, I, I stopped being a chef years before that. And I was actually working at a cannabis shop, a cannabis store. Oh, really? Uh, there, there's yeah. a difference between West Coast and East Coast right there. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so I was I was actually a supervisor slash manager at a uh, at a uh, at a cannabis shop. There's no benefits. I mean, it's not like I got paid real well or, you know, anything like that. It was it, it was a fun job and it was really I mean, it was a really interesting job. And for those of you that hadn't put two to two together by then, um, I, you know, I used to smoke a lot of weed. So, I mean, it, it definitely helped keep costs down on that. But right. <laughs> all, uh, all of a sudden, my eyes, my, you know, it, uh, you know, the the cartoon eyes got big as saucers. Um, and I was like, Oh crap, what I've got, I've got to do something. And, and I actually, I went back to, um, I kept that job. I dropped it down to part-time. Um, and then I found a second job, um, building commercial crab pots that I had had before. Um, I mean, I panicked, I went into panic mode almost immediately. And, um, my my now fiance she uh she <laughs> she she's already had a son at this point in time so she knows what she, what to expect you know generally because every pregnancy is going to be different right but right. um 
but she's she's more mentally prepared for what's coming for her and i have no clue and i'm so i panic i get a second job which i mean i've proven proven time and time again in the past me having two jobs is never a recipe for success um i just it's not something because i worked you know so many hours as a chef um that's one of the reasons i left being a chef is is because of the hours and because i worked so many hours all of a sudden i was working two jobs and working these hours and it just it wasn't it, it it started to really deteriorate my my mental state so i actually looked for another job that was my big thing because financially we we weren't completely ready um my fiance she is a vet tech okay. a veterinary technician and so she's also very clinical with her thought processes that uh you know she yeah she's a, she's from the veterinary world animals and stuff like that but a lot of that information translates. I mean, we're animals. <laughs> so, yeah. so when it comes down to it, a lot of that, a lot of that information, a lot of those facts, they translate over into the human aspect as well. So she was more mentally prepared. I, you know, you, you were emotional and, and, and happy and all that stuff. And I was happy and I was emotional, but I went straight into fear. <laughs> right. That was like the first thing to hit you was like, Oh, Oh God, what? Yeah, I mean, I was renting a room in a house, so I mean, it was, <laughs> I yeah, it was definitely, it was definitely sobering. It really was. It was. I had, like you said, you had to grow up real fast. I thought I was grown until this happened. <laughs> yeah, kids will, kids will do that to you. Definitely so, make and, you, uh, so rethink you your life a little bit. Was that? I said, kids will definitely make you rethink your life a little bit. Oh yeah, they'll they'll make you realize just how little you've learned thus far. Um, so I just out of curiosity, so the the next stages for that were you know now a big a common thing nowadays is to wait until I think it's the twelve week mark because that's viability. All that there's science there's science behind it. Uh, did you guys wait or did you guys kind of jump all over it and tell everybody? No, we did wait, and that was the other thing. Oh my gosh, man, like. The fear, because we have friends who have, you know, had miscarriages and like, you know, we've read every, you know, article you can. And like, so we, we definitely waited. We were terrified. We were honestly terrified to tell people because we didn't want to celebrate with everyone and then have that moment um, just kind of be taken away from us. And of course, it was going to be devastating with us. And, you know, it's a catch 22 because if we did have a miscarriage, then we'd have to explain to everyone, you know, why we were devastated the way we were. But we, we did wait. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's, I, I understand why some people tell people right off the bat. Um, and I understand why people wait. We waited. Um, but so my parents were the first ones we told. And we, uh, we got to tell them. Um, uh, and also her parents as well. So we told them like at the same time. Um, of course, hers were through technology, but even that. So this is my like my biggest thing is being a father leading up to the birth and even a little bit after the birth is I had a constant um, sense of helplessness. I felt oh, I helpless almost throughout the entire process until about three weeks after our daughter was born. I felt helpless. Um, and in the sense of like there's so much out of your control, whether your child you know, whether the pregnancy goes smoothly or whether you have complications, whether you have a cesarean or, a, a, you know, a natural birth, whether, you know, you have a miscarriage or your, your child is actually born. And then even leading up to that, like, are there any complications with, you know, the 
your wife or your spouse or your significant other, when that happens, like, are there any complications there? You know, there's so much that is out of your control that happens that you're just along for the ride. And that's why I felt through this entire process is helplessness. Like I kept on having to like, you know, what can I do for you? How can I make you more comfortable? How can I help you out? And having to ask those questions, I probably annoyed the crap out of my wife. (laughs) Even to this day, even to this day, I'm like, are you okay? Like, you know, is there anything you need? Because, you know, like there's so much weight that's put on the woman throughout this whole process. I mean, of course, that I was like, what, what part do I play in this? Like, you know, how can I help you? How can I make this easier? I remember throughout when she was giving birth, all I could do is sit there and like hold her hand as she squeezed it to death. And I remember, you know, the next day she's like, oh, thank you so much for being there for me. I was like, what, what did I do? You did all the work. I just <laughs> held your hand. I was like, you know, good job. Keep it up. I, I yeah. had no idea what was going on. Well, and that's, and, and that's, I think part of this, cause I mean, I think it's good that you and I are talking about this too, because this, this makes us really think, you know, we are, yeah, we're, I mean, we're just kind of physically there. Right. Uh, But, but you also have to, I mean, think back, you're also very much an emotional rock. You really are. You, you, I mean, as far as, as far as me and me and, and my, my fiance go, I mean, I, I tried to be there emotionally for her as much as I could and keep in mind, we didn't live together. So it was, it was also on top of everything else, you know, we, I was in constant contact. I, I mean, just like you, I probably annoyed the hell out of her. Uh, (laughs) I mean, I would constantly, and I would constantly, you know, how are you feeling? How's everything going? How's everything doing? And as far as us waiting, I can honestly tell you, I don't even remember if, if I, I, I think we waited, uh, but I'm, I, if I'm to be honest, I think I told my family, or at least my mom and my dad, as as soon as I felt I could. Um, I know I didn't wait the full twelve weeks, right? But uh, um, and that's I hope she's not listening right now. Um, but <laughs> cats on the bag. But, but no, the whole thing is the the whole thing is is yeah, you know, through the whole process, you really feel helpless because there's really nothing physically you can do, but you know. We take on, and I mean, I feel, you know, call this judgmental all you want. I feel any good father to a child that's come that that is still, you know, uh, within within the mother's womb. Um, I feel like any good father is there emotionally, not just yeah. physically. It, it, you know, you have more than just me physically there. You also have, you know, my time, you have my heart, you have, you know, I'm asking you questions because I want to know, and I want to be involved. Absolutely. And, and I feel like that is, that is something that, um, I, we discussed it a little bit right before recording, you know, I looked it up and it was, it wasn't until really the, the late sixties, early seventies that men were actually involved in the birthing. Like even, even, I don't, I, I couldn't tell you if they were allowed or they just, you know, I think it, it started to become more common practice that men were involved in, you know, in the room while they were in the birthing room. Right. I remember my grandparents telling me that the father wasn't even allowed in the birthing room. Like they weren't even allowed. Like it just wasn't happening. I mean, that was my grandparents' time. Like that's, in, that's crazy. And that's not that long ago. I mean, your no. grandparents not that long ago. No, like. And yeah, like you're saying, it's kind of being a shift where the the father is becoming more involved. And, you know, which in my opinion, it should be because you're parents, you're a team, you know, mm-hmm. you are both the parent of this child. So, like, you know, be involved, be there, ask questions. That's I, I, I mean, it's my opinion. 
you know, every yeah. relationship is different. Every, you know, child is different. You know, not trying to judge, but yeah, be involved, you know, you know ask the questions. I mean, and there are embarrassing questions to ask. I mean, they're, they're all, I mean, I, I know I did. I mean, I'm not going to go into detail, of course, because, you know, this is just, but I know for a fact that I asked questions that I kind of was timid about asking because, you know, that's, it's a very personal question, but it's something that has to do with my child. Right. It's something that has to do with our child. And, you know, it's one of those things that, um, you know, everybody, oh, you know, you're, you're going to be such a good mother. And, you know, my friends, of course, oh, you're going to be such a good father. But, you know, I feel like because of, because of the, the more and more involvement that, that men are having within like the whole process, I mean, the doctor's appointments, those things are nuts. Those things, I mean, it's, it's all the time. I, I mean, did you go? Oh yeah. So I've only missed one and that was because of work. So I only got two weeks off. I use my personal and sick leave for work. Um, I don't, there's no parental leave in my job, um, which hopefully that'll change in the States a little bit. Which amazes kind of recognizing because they, I mean, they know. Yeah. So, uh, so that would be my hope is one day about, recognizing. What about through the pregnancy? Did you go to all those doctor's appointments as well? No. So again, here's the, the catch. So when my wife was pregnant, it was during the pandemic. So there was only one doctor's visit I was allowed to go to. Oh. I was only like, so I wasn't able to go to any of the scans or anything like that. I went to one scan. I forgot what it, what uh, point it was, like which one of the trimesters. But um, I I got to see one scan. But otherwise, because of COVID, I wasn't allowed to go to any of them, which sucked. Because again, that I got to ask, how did that did that affect you? How did that affect you? Because I mean, oh, yeah. me, I, I was, I became a father, you know, pre-pandemic. So I went to every, I think I missed one, um, but I went to every appointment. I mean, every, every consultation, every scan, every one that I, that I, I could, I, I could, I, I went to. Yeah. I, I feel like it took me out of it a little bit in the pregnancy process, like leading up to the birth. And, you know, of course my wife would always come home and give me the whole update and she'd be very good. Give me the details. But I will say like, it sucks because that would be such a, a cool part of the process of seeing. And, you know, she showed me the pictures of the scans, but like being there and like hearing the heartbeat and like actually seeing, you know, my child in like the womb, like that's such an incredible thing. I only got to see it once. Um, I would have loved been part of that process, but I, again, I don't blame the doctors. I know they're just trying to keep everyone safe with the whole COVID mm -hmm. aspect. So I don't blame them. It was just, it was just in that sense, bad timing. Everything else was perfect. Um, but that just was a real bummer, but actually it was funny. My cousin, uh, gave us this little, you know, I don't know what it's called, but you can actually like hear the heartbeat of the child. So we did that a few times at home. So I could actually like hear my child's heartbeat oh, because awesome. I missed all the scans. So, you know, I'm very grateful for that. Um, but I wish I'd been able to go to those those appointments. And I've only missed one after, you know, our daughter was born. So again, now things are lightening up a little bit where we're allowed to be both in there. And actually we were scared because we heard stories of where the father wouldn't even be allowed in certain hospitals at certain points during this pandemic, the father wouldn't even be allowed to be in the, the birthing room either. So we're talking about back in the like the 1960s and 70s. But again, because this pandemic, it was only allowed to be the doctors and the woman in the birthing room, even during this pandemic, and this is 2020. 
Yeah, I'm not. I'm not entirely sure. I would have been able to. Uh, I would have been able to handle that gracefully. Let's just put it that way. Right. Um, I, I really don't. I, I could because I wanted to be so involved. And I mean, just out of curiosity, do you think? I mean, obviously, you know, your your wife is is a, a smart woman. I'm sure. Um, and you you both at least you seem pretty well grounded. I mean, did she did she did that affect her much? Like you not being able to be there? Not that she told me i mean again we were very lucky to where our pregnancy wasn't very complicated um every every time she went they said you know the baby looks healthy you know everything's going according to plan so in that sense i'm i'm so grateful that there weren't any complications because i'm sure if there was something like if she were getting a scan or you know they did have to give her some tough news i couldn't have been there for her and that that would have been just you know, like a knife in the heart. Um, I'm and, sure that would have been very difficult. And there you go. Was there, um, since this is, this is kind of what we're talking about, not just, you know, not just physically being there. I mean, do you remember any times that you can, that, I mean, you don't have to share any details, but that you can share with us. Do you, do you know any, any times that it was, it was especially hard for you as, as, as the father of this, this upcoming child, um, during the pregnancy? Uh, any times that were tough just for me because of the pandemic or just in general? Just in general. I mean, you know, where, I mean, were there any times where you just broke down where it was just, it, you, you were exhausted, you were worn down, you were, you know, <laughs> you felt like, as you said, you felt helpless. I mean, well, not, did it ever come to a head for you? Not during the pregnancy and even not during the birth, because during the birthing process, um, again, I, I didn't have time to really process what was happening. Um, there was so much going on. Again, I knew I had to be there for my wife and make sure she was okay because, again, she went completely natural, um, no epidural or anything. So I definitely had to be okay, there. Like it was, it was a blur, an absolute blur. But the, that's where I was telling you, I felt helpless even after my daughter was born because, I mean, the the honeymoon period, I'll call it, when you're in the hospital and you have a whole nursing staff and like doctors coming in and out. Like if anything went wrong, like you know, she was there, um, which was great. But then we went home. And then I was like, oh, God, we're completely on our own. If something goes wrong, we have to call you – know, we're out of luck. we got to race to the ER, you know, call our pediatrician. Like, it's us. we got to keep this child alive. And I remember the first two or three weeks was extremely stressful for my wife and myself because, you know, we weren't getting any sleep. And everyone says this. They're like, you know, say goodbye to sleep. But they do not tell you the, the tremendous stress – and just the the toll it takes on you and again i let me reiterate my daughter is the light of my life the joy of my life there has been no bigger accomplishment and bigger just pride and joy in my life and my heart than my daughter like i can't even you unless you are a parent you can't explain it like it's just it's none other but those first few weeks it's not just you won't get sleep it's just the stress my wife and I multiple nights were in tears because we just were so physically and mentally drained. It was ridiculous. And again, I felt helpless in those moments because, I mean, we were, again, lucky enough that my our daughter took to breastfeeding and my wife was able to breastfeed because, again, some people, you know, have to use um, formula. So we were lucky enough. I mean, because it's, it's free. If you can breastfeed, it's free. So And some babies just don't take. Um and some people just can't breastfeed. So we were, again, she would breastfeed. Um, and at that point, when they're first born, they literally sleep 
and they breastfeed and then they just poop. That's it. That's all they do. So yep. I felt removed from that because we didn't do formula. We didn't do bottle feeding, which again was a blessing. But as a father, it took me more out of the picture. Um, I, so I didn't get that bonding with like, you know, holding a bottle of my daughter, I would hold her and she would sleep in my arms. But then, you know, it that's only a little bit, because there's not really too much you can do in those first few weeks that I felt helpless again, even after my child was born to where I didn't even feel like a true father figure until like week three, week four, when she was awake a little bit longer, I could play with her a little bit more. Um, then my wife eventually went back to work and then I am off for the summer. So I got to bottle feed her. Um, and that bonding moment. So I really didn't feel like a player in the game of parenthood until a few weeks after birth. Yeah, I uh, I mean, I I don't have any problems because it's it, it does happen. And I want to be and I want to be clear to everybody out there. Th- it does happen that, um, you know, it, it's. A, a woman has a problem um, breastfeeding. I mean, it's, it it does happen. It's natural. It's not something that, you know, it's not, it's not a, uh, a negative toward, you know, a mother you are, it's not a negative. It's the, I mean, it, and honestly, the stress that that puts on, on the mother is ridiculous. We actually ended up having to, uh, having to formula, do formula because, um, of my, my fiance's inability to produce. And I hope she doesn't come in here and stab me right now for sharing that. But, um, but no, it's, and honestly, there's nothing wrong with that. I right mean, my, my baby is, is happy, healthy. She always has been, she's in the bigger percent. She's in the bigger percentile. She's a brick. But, um, but when it comes down to it, we, we did. And I, until you mentioned that, I never thought about that because, I could see how that, I mean, you're right. They eat, they sleep, they shit. That's, that's, that's <laughs> it. That's it. For the first few weeks, that's all they do. I, I got to ask because, and this is something that I always ask new fathers. <coughs> did you, did you throw up that first, that first poopy diaper you changed? Oh, no, no. And that's one thing that I was prepared for. So, I mean. <laughs> <laughs> you you talked about like you know being a chef. I was on the other side of the restaurant industry. I was a server. Oh, so okay. I mean, I had to clean bathrooms. I also worked in fast food restaurants and in retail. And of course, whenever you're the bottom rung, it's always your job to clean bathrooms. So oh, yeah. I have seen a lot of disgusting things in my life, especially involving, you know, bowel movements or anything that comes out of that end. Like I I have seen it all. It, it's horrific the things i've had to clean the bathroom so like honestly <laughs> my daughter's diapers didn't bother me in the slightest now it's yeah. still that like weird like um not to get too graphic it's still that gooey stuff that's coming oh, yeah. out but she's not doing blue. like full turds so like i don't know it's kind of easier now you just kind of like you know fold it up and boom I and mean, she'll have blowouts but yeah that stuff never bothered me okay yeah I, and it didn't bother me either because i mean as a chef i dealt with a lot of smelly shit <laughs> um but I uh, I do have to say that you know it was I wasn't it did catch me off guard like I I guess I never really thought about you know as a father I never thought I'd be so worried about somebody else's bowel movements right <laughs> right like you are literally taking that diaper you're inspecting it right you're like oh my gosh is there mucus in there like you know is it like is it the right color <laughs> exactly exactly and and you know it and. It's funny because I can look back and we can laugh about this, but at the same time, you know, as a father, that's where you're involved. 
that's yep. where you i mean not just poop i mean but you know <laughs> the physical aspect is is you know that's where you're involved in and like you said you you weren't able to do the the bonding that i was because we had to use we had to use bottles and i was able to bottle feed and you know when it's funny you mentioned you know everybody says say goodbye to sleep that that is probably the most accurate description of having a child immediately after having a child that you can that you could possibly get because it's the same for everybody. I don't know anybody anybody who's and you know there might be some out there, but I don't know anybody personally who's newborns where it was oh no she started she was sleeping through the night almost immediately no that doesn't happen no. she's, yeah she's got to feed every couple of hours yep well, every hour on the hour and, and you also have to you also have to understand that since we're doing bottles um, my significant other didn't have to get up. So, uh, <laughs> so, um, and, and I don't, and, and I say that in, in a very, you know, joking manner because she did, she did wake up and she did, you know, she did offer all the time, but I wanted to, I was up and I was ready to go. And I was like, okay, let's get the, let's go, let's go get you a bottle. And I wanted to make these, make this bonding moment with her. And honestly, with everything that she, and she, my daughter was C-section. She didn't, she wasn't able to have her naturally. So not only that, she has this big surgical wound across her abdomen. So that has to heal. So, and doctors tell you, you know, when you have a cesarean that, you know, you're not supposed to lift anything more than the baby. And I think that's just because you're not going to be able to tell a mother not to lift their baby. Um, right, I'm pretty right. sure that if the doctor had a choice, they'd probably look at them and say, don't lift anything for the next two weeks. Um, but it was, I knew she needed to heal and I knew that I, I knew that stuff. And, and I had actually taken a couple of weeks off of work. Um, I was able to, I, I didn't get paid for all of it. Um, but you know, I didn't care. I was going to take the financial hit because money can always be made for those of you out there and worried about finance finances with having a kid, you can always make money. You cannot get that time back. Yeah. Period. That's true. Um, and, you know, I took the time off that I needed to, and I would wake up uh, in the middle of the night and I, I, and so would she, but I would tell her flat out, I'm like, no, go back to sleep. You need your rest. And, you know, I'm here and, and I'm, I, and I'm here for you. And I mean, it did kind of backfire a little bit because, you know, six months later when, when her and I were actually able to move in together, it got to a point where I think she slept through most of the crying in the middle of the night. <laughs> <laughs> So no, I'll say, that was actually my, my question for you. So were, at what point were you living together? So it was six months, six months. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah um, it was just, it was financially, um, we, we, we were able to, um, <clears throat> but the funny thing is, is like, even now and, and with both kids, with, with both my, my son and my daughter, um, I, if a, a sound now keep in mind i have two cats as well and they are nocturnal the little shits all right knocking uh, everything off the counter oh well they haven't started doing that yet but they're running around chasing each other around and stuff and this is you know two o'clock in the morning right so but i can sleep through that most of the time but if if my daughter wakes up or my son wakes up and you know, they say something or, you know, my son wakes up crying because of a nightmare or my daughter wakes up crying because of a nightmare or anything like that. Um, I'm, I'm bolt upright. I'm, I'm, I'm up, I'm awake. I'm, you know, and it sucks because I'm like, well, I, now I'm awake. Right. But, 
but at the same time, that's, that's me. And I have trained and I'm proud of this fact. I have for the most part trained my significant other that she needs to get some rest because especially now, because yeah, I go to work, but she's got to deal with the kids all day. <laughs> yeah. And let me tell you, I will say, cause you know, obviously we're getting past the point where it's like the mom's considered to be the stay at home mom. Like, you know, if some people want that good for them, again, not saying it's a bad thing, but we're getting to the point in society where it's okay for dads to stay at home, like stay at home dads. Like we're getting past that point again, we're getting past the 1950s concept. Um, and for most families, both parents work. Um, but I will say to anyone out there who has stayed at home with their child, it is a full time job. I tell you what, it is more exhausting for me staying home than my job of being a teacher. And I'm a first grade teacher. And it is actually easier for me to do my job at work than to stay at home with my child. And again, I love my child, but they are a lot of work. So do not mm -hmm. underestimate the Especially fact that age. your spouse or your significant other who's staying home with those children, if they are, um, it, it's a lot of work. It's a full-time job. So good on you, Brady. Good on you. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's, she, she needs to rest and, and, but you're right. It is, it's a full-time job. Um, I've, I was laid off, uh, during COVID for about seven months and, um, that was, that it was really hard financially, but, um, I was happy with the fact that, that I was able to spend that kind of time with, with my family. Um, so it was kind of a catch 22, but, um, I got to, and it was never, I was never, you know, it was never a, a home alone type of a situation, you know, a stay at home dad situation, but I was staying at home and I was the dad. Um, and I got to see some of what she goes through, which makes it easier. Yeah as as you know somebody that goes that you know works 40 hours a week and um and comes home and tries to be involved now my significant other uh she my fiance she is amazing because she she's also one of those people like i said i tell her you know you need to get some rest that kind of thing but she is amazing because i get home and I don't tell her to, and I don't expect her to, but a lot of times, you know, she'll turn off whatever she's streaming, whatever she's watching, or she'll turn off the video game that she's playing or something like that and say, here, sit down. You need to relax. I mean, and, and that's it. It's a partnership. It's an yeah. understanding. You both have an understanding of what, you, what each other goes through and you're willing to make concessions and, and, and you want to be, make sure that your other, your significant other, your other half is taken care of, which, which is, you know, our role during pregnancy. That's, that's the whole thing. I mean, did, did you ever, I mean, my fiance's, you know, she wasn't really big into foot rubs. I, I've heard a lot of stories of, you know, pregnant women love to have their feet rubbed because they swell up. I mean, it was, but that's the whole thing. Like we're, we're hearing about all this stuff because men have become more involved. Right. Right. It's not like you do your, your nine to five job, come home and like dinner's made for you. You know, like men are getting more involved in it. And it, again, my opinion, they, sh they should like invest yep. in your children. Cause like you're saying, you don't get that time back. You don't. And it goes by so fast. So fast. I'm only three months in. I still miss things from when she was first born. It goes by so fast. She's over two and a half years old now. And I'm like, I, I, every now and then I still get, I still have photos on my phone from when she was a baby, baby when she was just a couple of months old. And I'm like, I mean, this, I, this feels like yesterday. Right. Right. Absolutely. So, now, and, and, that, and that's the whole thing, you know, as men, we, we, 
I, you know what, I'll, I'll say, because, you know, it, it's one of those things, yeah, you know, if, you know, to each their own and every relationship is different, but as a man, get involved, just mm-hmm. do it. I mean, uh, every child, every daughter, every son needs a father. <clears throat> and that's, that's your job. Once you have a child, that's your job. You know, this, you're, uh, as, as Dan has said numerous times, you know, uh, your job will replace you in, in, in about two minutes. Right. If anything happens to you, but your family can't be a father, be there. And I like how you brought the point of like teamwork. And so if, if you're a single parent, obviously this doesn't apply to you. Um, but like, if you have a partner, um, it's all about teamwork. Like you can tell when your partner is at that breaking point in parenthood, tag in, even if you're exhausted, tag in. And my wife has done it for me too. She's seen me at my breaking point. I've seen her where like, I know like she just needs a break. I'm like, here, just let me take the, like, you know, take our daughter, you go and just do whatever you need to do. Even if it's like, for me, even if it's just like doing dishes, I don't know. I'm weird. I find that therapeutic doing dishes. I also hate when our kitchen's a clutter. So like, even if she takes a child and I go, you know, do the dishes or mow the lawn or something like that, just taking a break, but keeping an eye on your partner's mental health and it's teamwork. Take one for the team because you know, your partner's taking many for the team. So like, check in and just step in when you have to, you know, you know what I'm going to compound on that, honestly. And, and it's, I'm not trying to get too preachy here, but I know a lot of single parents that don't, you know, don't have a great relationship with their other, with the father or the mother of their child, the, the other parent. Um, Don't forget it is their child too. Uh, Mm -hmm. For for those single parents out there, it's still a partnership because you both had something to, to, to do with, with this child coming into the world planned or not planned um whether or not you guys stayed together you both have a responsibility to that child that being said you both have a responsibility to be there for each other as well you know whether you like each other or not you i'm not telling you to stay in a relationship for the children because that never works but whether you like each other or not this child is half you and half them you need to understand that you and it is they have they have a word for that co-parenting yeah be open to co-parenting don't don't use the and please i'm begging you because i personally know people that do this that have done this don't use your child as a weapon to the other on the on the other on the other parent because just because you guys did not work out it is not that child's fault right and i've seen it with my friends that went through that and the children, one of the spouses or ex-spouses used the child as like a, a pawn to try to like, you know, play favorites and hurt the uh, the other one. And the only person you're truly going to hurt is that child. So That's it. don't play that game. So, and, and that'll be that'll definitely be a topic of discussion for for another episode. But I did want to say that because, you know, as a father, I couldn't imagine not being in my child's in my child's life. And I know fathers and a couple of mothers, for that matter, that have no desire to be in their children's lives and i that blows my mind it does right it absolutely it amazes me that you can even feel that way about this flesh and blood that you helped create it's it 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 boggles my mind um now let's let, let's go into um i don't obviously I don't, not too much detail and stuff but you mentioned something about you know you were in the delivery room as was i um it was different for me because it was a cesarean and, and yours was a natural birth or your wife's was a natural birth. My fiance's was a cesarean. Let's just clarify that. I didn't get cut open and you didn't squeeze the kid out. <laughs> but, 
but um, you you mentioned she crushed your hand. I mean, what what else can you tell can can you tell people about that experience? What was what was what was your emotional state at that point? So again, I <laughs> it's bad. I felt ma- mostly terrified the entire time. Um, so there are things that they don't tell you that my wife had to explain to me so many times. Like if my whole knowledge of birth was from TV shows and movies, right? Which are completely inaccurate. You say so, are? Right. <laughs> so like my thought was like, if her water breaks, we have to go to the hospital right then and there. And she had to tell me so many times, like, no, if my water breaks, it doesn't mean I have to go straight to the hospital. It's all about the contractions and how long they are and how close they are apart and how long they're lasting for. So I'm sitting there like with a, a timer, like, you know, how long was that one? How long was that one? Um, and we ended up, she, um, ended up going to her last, so quick story, the morning or the morning before my daughter was born, she actually had a doctor's appointment anyways. She had a scan, a final scan. Um, and she was getting close to her due date. So her contractions are getting pretty strong. We called her doctor in the middle of the night. They said, no, don't come in yet. Um, so she went into her doctor's appointment and they did a sweep to help, you know, induce. Well, literally her doctor told her, she's like, your contractions are close up. You could go to the hospital right now. And the hospital's right next door. So I, I, you know, I was like, well, just go to the hospital and I'll, I'll meet you there. And she's like, no, 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 we're going we're gonna to go home first. I'm like, we're at the hospital. Why are we going to go home first? She's like, <laughs> I want to get the bag. It's like, I can drop you off the hospital and go get the bag. She's like, no, 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 we're going to go. I was like, are you crazy? But again, it's, it's my mindset. Like where if they say it's go time, it's go time. Cause that's what happens in the movies, right? You know, like he's flooring it down the highway. She's breathing, you know, like, having a panic attack, you know, this contraction, she's screaming. That's what I thought it was going to be like. And it wasn't like that at all, at least for us. I know everyone's different. Um, but we went home first. We were there for a few minutes. We got our bug out bags ready to go. We let the dog out. Um, and then we drove all the way back to the hospital. Now, I will tell you that for some reason, my wife is again a Wonder Woman. And I don't think most people could have done that again every pregnancy is different so maybe her contractions weren't just as painful um she actually says they weren't painful at all she says they were what she say they were just strenuous um she went into like this euphoric state of mind where she was no longer on planet earth we um we got there she like was slowly walking took us probably like 30 minutes to get from the parking lot into the building um and again as a pandemic so they had to check you in the hospital so there's a line outside so we're about to stand in line while she's literally in labor and then someone's like i'm sorry are you guys okay it's like no she's she's pregnant she's about to give birth they're like oh, go like the security guard came out took us in um we got checked in she decided that she really wanted to do the the jacuzzi so if you don't have an epidural um you can sit in this jacuzzi which helps the um the contractions so she's sitting in this jacuzzi. I want to sit in the jacuzzi. What are you talking right, about? Right, exactly. I was like, can I sit in here too? Um, and again, she she is on a different plan at this point. So I'm terrified. Like, how long is she supposed to be in this jacuzzi for? And then the nurse comes in. She's like, all right, well, we need to, you know, check her again to see how dilated she is. And my wife is, I, she's like out. She's still there. Like, she's not like actually passed out. But I'm like, all right, babe, we need to get going. She didn't respond. It's like, M, we we need we need to get into the room they need to check you out i was like i physically cannot lift you out of the jacuzzi like you need to get yourself up i was so terrified she's gonna give birth right then and there so throughout the whole process i was just like what is going on and then finally we get her you know in the room 
everything's happening so fast. Her water breaks. Um, the nurses, like, it's just me and the nurse. I'm like, where the heck's the doctor? She called and like, you know, like, let the doctor know that um, we're getting pretty close. And I started to worry that the doctor was with someone else and wasn't gonna be able to be there. I was like, I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to give birth to her. I was like, I, it's just me and the nurse. I was panicking. I was like, oh my gosh. But I was trying to keep it as cool as possible for my wife. So under the surface, I'm like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. Like, what if something goes wrong? You know, like, how am I going to break it to her that she needs to get like an epidural if something does go wrong? Because, you know, of course we had our, our birthing plan, but we know that it doesn't always go according to plan. And my wife is just pushing sure, through this. I'm sure you've heard the, heard the phrase, you know, you want to make God laugh, make a plan. Exactly. And that, and we knew that, like, you know, again, anyone who makes a birthing plan or has an idea of what's going to be like, there's nothing wrong with that, but just know that it will more than likely not go according to plan. Um, and I was ready for that. I was ready for the bad news of like, Hey, we need an inducer or Hey, we need to do a cesarean or Hey, um, you know, some, something's gone wrong. I was just waiting for that moment. Um, and you know, again, we're blessed enough where that moment never came. Um, but I was so just like, all right, we need to get through this. We need to get this. Where the heck's that doctor? And then, you know, the moment came where my daughter was born. I got to see it happen. I didn't think I would want to see it happen. I thought, you know, it freaked me out or grossed me out. But it was such a magical moment that I did. I, I saw it happen. And it was incredible. Just I, I can't even explain it. Um, so that happened. And then from that moment on, it was just I was elated. Um, the fear went away. Once the baby was born, I was like, all right, and I know things can always happen after birth, um, but I was just so happy to see our daughter. Um, it was just such an amazing experience. But I, again, I felt so panicked on the inside and tried not to show it to my wife. And hopefully, I didn't show it. But the entire process was just well. She so knows you well enough. I'm sure she she knows she knows that you were freaking out a little bit, but maybe not to not to the right degree. Um, me, I'm I'm a very emotional person, so it was it, I was I was I cried a little bit and. Um, especially when they said, you know, we need to, we need to do an emergency C-section. And I was like, oh, well, and don't get me wrong. I wasn't overly worried about the C-section itself because that's something they do, you know, a hundred times a day in this country. So, well, thousands probably, but, um, it was more of, I had to be there and not necessarily, I, and I didn't watch them cut her open or anything like that, but, um, this wasn't something that we were prepared for. Right. This wasn't something that we had planned. Um, as you said, you know, you, you make a birthing plan and then, you know, just know that the majority of the time, I'm not saying the majority of the plan, but the majority of the time, there's going to be something that goes wrong with that plan. Absolutely. Um, and, but like you said, it was, it was amazing because, you know, yeah, my, I mean, my fiance, you know, she t had the epidural. She, her, her first, uh, her, her son, she didn't, but that was more timing than anything else, than, okay. than anything else. Um, and she knows she knew. And so she was like, no, I'm getting one this time. Um, but, <laughs> but she had the epidural, um, she was out of it. Um, but when, when they pulled my daughter out of her, I mean, there's, there's no other way to really put it. Um, there was this sense of, of calm for me, but before that, Oh, I, I mean, different scenarios go through your head at, oh, absolutely. at, at Mach six. You're, and you're not prepared for any of them. I mean, you like to, you like to try to convince yourself that you are, but 
you're not prepared for any of them. And but they go through your head and they're just boom, boom, boom. When a good and bad scenarios. Right. <laughs> right. And there's nothing you can do. I mean, you want us to you want to talk about helpless. I mean, you were helpless during the pregnancy and, and we're helpless during the birth, but during the birth, you are probably the most helpless individual in that room. Yeah, I mean, you are. You you are. You might as well just be, you know, a tree branch that she can hang on to, that she can look at, that she can. I mean, it, there's there's no there there is no, you know, you're not there. But and that's the, all I was. I was a tree yeah. branch. Like she just gripped on my hand. I was like, "You're doing great. Keep it up." Yeah. And but when when they pulled my daughter out and and I, I did you cut the cord? I personally did not. Um. I hear it's it's a moment a father gets to have. I, I personally didn't feel connected to cutting the cord, so I didn't. Did you? Um, well, kind of. I mean, I kind of – they uh, it being a C-section, they had to cut it. I was going to say, were you allowed into the operating room for the C-section? Yeah. Okay. Um, so I uh, I was sitting there at, at her head, um, but once they pulled her out, um, I got to put her first diaper on, and I got to cut the rest of the cord. Okay. Um, which was, I mean, which by the way, they're pretty strong. I had no idea. Uh, the cord. <laughs> I mean, it's not like it's not like I was cutting, you know, electrical cables or something. But it was, you know, it, it, there was definitely more resistance than I was expecting. Interesting. Um, but the funny, the, and, and I really, I really identify with what you said. You know, you were elated. I know that feeling because when I saw my daughter, and every worry every fear was all replaced with just happy and joy and and excited to to see the future and and i knew from that second that i i can't i would never be able to screw this up because there was just my entire life all of a sudden just it revolved around this small being in front of me right. and and it was probably it was probably the most the 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 most euphoric i've ever been in my life and that that's not to take anything away from you know how i feel about my fiance and how i feel about my stepson and and stuff like that but you know there was something about that moment that you know everything every negative feeling i could have possibly thought of was gone yeah your life your life changes forever um, it does. It you does. have this moment where, like, it's like whatever it takes, I will make sure that your life is as good as it can be. Like, yeah. it's just now, Brady. I know we're we're running low on time, um, yeah. but I never got to ask you what was the toughest part of that whole process for you as a father, like pregnancy, giving birth to leading up, like a few weeks after that whole process. I feel like the hardest part for me was um, as much as I like to say, uh, I like to point out and, and emphasize the fact that I, I was there for every doctor's appointment and stuff like that. It was the fact that I wasn't like, we weren't living together. I wasn't there at all times, you know, until yeah. six months after she was born. And, and I think that was the hardest thing because if anything happened or, or anything like that, it, I would, I wouldn't be, but I would feel like I would be the last to know. And, yeah. you know, if, if I was needed, I was, you know, if, from where she lived and where I lived, um, it was a solid 
depending on the time of day, anywhere from 25, 35 minutes to, I mean, it could take as much of an hour, as an hour to get out there. <clears throat> oh, and wow. so it was just one of those things where it there under the surface, there was always that constant, that constant panic. Like what, what happens if, if, you know, I get a phone call or I get a text saying, I need you for whatever reason, I need you. I, I mean, I, it would terrify me and the, and it did terrify me. Um, I think that was probably the hardest aspect for me, um, that, and, um, my, as you said, you know, your, your, your wife is, is wonder woman, my fiance right on that same level. Um, you know, she, she didn't want to bother me. She didn't right. want to, she, but, and you know, so, and she was just, she was a soldier through everything. I mean, I, let's just be honest. A man could not go through that. I, I couldn't, I couldn't have done what she did. I, Absolutely I, not. I, mean, you, I don't know about you, but I mean, I get a cold, I'm dying. I mean, take care of me because that's, I mean, I, for me, that's kind of how I was raised. You know, my mom, I'm the baby of the family. So my mom would take care of me and all that stuff, but I get the, well, not maybe not a cold, but like the flu, I'm, I'm down. Forget yeah. it. I'm a big baby is what I am. And I have no, no qualms admitting that fact, but so no man I know could could go through pregnancy, birth, anything like that. So shout out to all the women out there. As as Chris brought up before, y'all, I mean, y'all will always be, you know, have that one up on on men, no matter <laughs> no matter what what some of the cultures say right now. But we're not going to get into that. Um, but it was it was the fact that the the fact that I I we didn't live with each other that I lived so far away, and. I mean, you kind of put it perfectly before, you know, I felt a lot of times I felt useless. I did like, I, there was nothing I could do. Right. It's not that, it, it's not that, you know, there was something to do and I didn't do it. There was nothing for me to do. <laughs> I mean, it was, I was like, okay, um, she, my back hurts. Uh, I mean, put your feet up. I don't, I don't know. Right. Hope you feel better. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know what to do. I mean, um, and it was, it was just awesome. It, I, I would not have changed that experience for, for anything. You know, the highs, the lows, um, the, the pain uh, that I would feel, and then, and then also, you know, as I said the last time that you were on, you know, I, we, and, and this through this podcast, I mentioned it, you know, uh, our daughter was hospitalized shortly after she was one. So, you know, on top of everything else, it was, you know, she went back to the hospital to get surgery and all that stuff. And I mean, I, I'm, I, it's somewhat the same because you, every fear that you experienced for pregnancy and birth and all that stuff when they're that little and they can't communicate, they, you know, they, they don't really know what's going on. Every one of those fears comes back. So it kind of made me relive that whole thing. So I guess that was, I mean, I would have to say throughout. So you, you I mean, your daughter is almost three months. My daughter's almost two or almost three. And I think in the almost three years that she's been alive, I think that was probably, <clears throat> probably the hardest thing to deal with 
um, was her having to be hospitalized and her having to be, you know, operated on. So, I mean, aside kind of, and I know I kind of took that a little farther. What about you? What up to, up to now, up to almost three months into being into, into her being on this world, what do you feel like has been the hardest thing for you? Honestly, that's a good question. I feel like the hardest thing of being a father um, up to three months is my my own patience. And I've talked about this a little bit in my life. Um, sometimes there are days that are just extremely rough, and um, especially having a newborn. And there are times where she should be napping and she doesn't nap. Um, times where she's just extremely fussy and you don't know why. You go through all the checklists. You do like the gripe water. You do like the burping. You do the feeding. You try to put her to sleep, you know, you take her outside because for some reason my daughter loves being outside, but like none of the checks that you go through work. And as much as you want to be a great parent, as much as you want to be the most understanding, the most patient parent in the world that always loves your child. And I do always love my child, but there are times where I just absolutely get frustrated. And you're not frustrated at the child because you know there's nothing they can do about it. It's not like like I said in the last podcast, there's nothing that they're not trying to spite you. They're they're just a newborn. There's they don't know how else to communicate, but they are trying to tell you there's something wrong. And even though you tried everything, you can't you can't seem to fix it. And it gets to the point where you hit a breaking point. And that's where like my wife has just been amazing, where she'll see like where I'm just getting so frustrated. I'm just getting like so fed up at the situation. Not fed up at my daughter, but fed up at the situation where I'm just like, what do you want from me? Um, where you know, she'll step in if she's home and like it, it breaks my heart after the fact It's like once, you know, because those storms will, will subside, you know, sometimes it's, it's a doctor's visit. Sometimes there's nothing you can do and you have to go to the hospital. Um, but those moments will subside and then you'll take a step back from the situation. And you'll look at your, your child and you'll, you'll see how wonderful they are. And like, you'll feel that pain of like that guilt of like, how did I get so frustrated in this situation so easily when they are such a precious, you know, human being like they're so they are so precious so amazing and like i don't know that's been the toughest thing as father it's like not letting myself get that point but it is tough to take yourself out of the situation it's tough in the moment take a step back and be like you know this is your child they're not you know they're not trying to just upset you or demand attention at least not at this point in her life she's not trying to demand attention but like me getting frustrated does not help the problem and then of course you know when you do make those mistakes of being a parent don't let it hang over your head. Like every parent has that breaking point multiple times. It's going to happen and it doesn't make you a bad parent, but you do need to learn from it. Like, you know, I've gotten to the point where I'm pretty good with her now. Um, even when she changes her schedule, which she'll do every now and then, like that's what, that's the, that's just what children do. You think that, you know, Oh, well at four weeks or four months, they'll go through like a sleep regression. But like when, like now our daughter at, almost three months has gone through a sleep regression where she'll nap for like 15 minutes, wake up and like, you know, be ready to go again when she shouldn't technically, as far as the books say, do it. Well, there is no, there's no manual for your child. No, your, your child may do something completely different from someone else's child or whatever all the books and all the articles say. So you just have to get used to adapting, whether it's adapting from sleep, adapting to how you, you know, spend their awake times. Like it's just constant adapting. So I've gotten used to that now, of course, if you ask me a month from now, something new will probably happen that'll, you know, <laughs> rock my world. I'm sure it's going to happen. Um, but I'm getting better at it. And I think that's the biggest struggle I have as a father. It's like not getting so frustrated in those moments and just just 
rocking with it, just rolling with it, just adapting. Yeah, and uh, on a, on a final note, as far as uh, as far as for me, you know, the fact that you feel that guilt because I I know that guilt, I know it all too well. Um, the fact that you feel that guilt, I think, you know, shows the the class of father that you are, Chris. And and you know, those of you out there that that have newborns that are struggling, that you know, um, want to have a want to have a child, and and you know, want to know a little bit more of the struggle. Please feel free to reach out. Feel free to ask yes. us questions. I know Dan Dan is on vacation. Um, if there's any questions you have for Chris, I'm more than happy to pass them on to him. Um, Chris, I think you're probably going to be a, a pretty regular uh, regular contributor to our our podcast, at least as far as I'm concerned. Um, it's it's been it's been great uh, having you on as a guest, and then having you on as a guest host, and and I appreciate you taking the time out to to spend with us. Um, one <clears throat> one thing I would like to uh, w- would like to say that Dan is is much better at saying is, you know, just just those of you out there that are struggling, whether you're a parent, whether you're not. Um, there, there, there. Everybody goes through rough times, and everybody goes through hard times. But you know, every every hard time and rough time that you go through is unique. So just please remember, it is okay to not be okay. It is okay to not be okay. And please feel free to reach out. You have any topics, any suggestions? Keep an eye out for our Instagram. No. Yeah, no, y'all are Instagram now. Oh, are we on Instagram? Okay. Yep. See, that, I told you, techno technology in me um keep keep an eye out on our instagram um please feel free to reach out to us on on facebook chris again thank you so much for for joining us thank you thank you so much for joining me um giving me something to do on sunday and uh once dan gets this edited and up we will uh we, we will get this put up and yeah um but let me just say uh, anybody that's you know looking forward and anybody that feels that guilt that is completely normal that is completely okay. And the fact that you feel that guilt, I think it speaks volumes to the type of father that you are. So please um, don't hesitate to reach out if you want some advice. We don't know everything, but we do know a little bit and, and feel free to feel free to ask us questions. Chris, is there anything you'd like to say in closing? No, I mean, you, you got perfect, man. I mean, that's absolutely it. It's just every child is different. Every parent's different. And just because, you know, everyone struggles does not take away the fact that your struggle is real because it is real. Um, and the best thing I can say is just reach out to someone, reach out to someone you trust. And if you are looking for that someone, I'd say reach out to Dan Brady. Um, even if you have any questions for me, absolutely. I'd love to. I'd love to share my story. Give advice for me as a parent. Like if you're a veteran parent or you're going through it and you're like, hey, I heard the podcast and, you know, I've been through that too. I got some advice for you, Chris. I would love advice on this whole parenting thing because, <laughs> you know, I always could use it. Um, and Brady, thank you, man. It's always great to talk to you. Cause again, you're a veteran parent, you're, you know, a great guy. And, uh, it's just always nice to talk to someone who has been there, gone through it and is going through it as well. And, and it is nice to, to be reminded how, you know, how everything is, is coming. Um, you know, you call me a veteran. I, I call myself pretty much a rookie. Um, I'm still, <laughs> and, and, you know, and my dad would probably tell you the same thing. And his son is 40 years old. So it's, you know, it's an ever evolving landscape. And, and I, I, I'm glad to, to, to be sharing the landscape with you, Chris, this is the, I love our conversations and, and please, you know, join us again sometime. Well, anytime guys, thanks for having me on. We all have a great week. We all, everybody have a great week. Um, I'm Brady and uh, Dan's not here. This is. And I'm Chris Jett. And this is um, Men in Your Life, Unapologetically Human. 
Um, have a great week, everybody.